Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Our top story on the KRMG Morning News with Dan Potter. We're only a week away from the start of high school football in Oklahoma and with thousands of kids being involved in other extracurricular activities. And with the presence of COVID-19, it will be a season unlike any other. David Jackson is the executive director of the OSSAA. They understand there are risks, but... As long as we feel like we can manage situations and participate, we're going to try to give our schools a chance to do that. There have been complaints about the organization not laying down one set of rules on COVID-19 for all schools, but Jackson explains why. The virus has impacted so differently across our state. Some school districts that are severely impacted, and then some aren't impacted as much. Rick Corey, 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk. Issues that matter to you, expanded on the KRMG Morning News, 8 a.m. In-Depth Hour. It's the KRMG Back to School Project, sponsored by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Dan Potter and Rick Corey as we delve into what will be done with extracurriculars at at least a couple of school systems around here during the fall. And we are joined uh, by Union Athletic Director Emily Barkley. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And by the director of bands at Broken Arrow, my buddy, Double D, Darren Davis. Hi, Darren. Hey, good morning, Dan. Glad to have you both here. Emily, I'm going to start with you. Um, We heard Rick's piece there, the the OSSAA, basically leaving it up to each individual conference and each individual school district and high school as to how they're going to handle the fall season. Briefly tell us what union's going to do with football this fall. Absolutely. Um, when the OSSA, you know, made that decision, it, it obviously made it a little more challenging for the individual school districts. But we do know our school um, a little bit better, you know, as a, as a larger school compared to some of the smaller schools. So, you know, looking into the fall for us, um, we have another challenge. We have half of our stadium under construction. That's and right. so we're already operating that 50 percent capacity. But we got with some area schools um, of our size and in our conference and kind of came up with some guidelines that we felt we could all follow at our place, which for us, 50% capacity um, of our available seating is what we'll be able to um, offer for the fans, which it, it it's not a great outlook for the 2020 season. It was going to be a challenge anyways, um, and COVID just just uh aggravated that a little bit mm. but um we you know we'll have about 2000 uh seats available for sale we do luckily for us have um some of the west side schools coming over and playing us this year those games traditionally haven't drawn the crowds that a union broken arrow union jeans union owasso uh, rivalry game um has drawn so for us we kind of lucked out we we joke about it was really good scheduling on the football coach and the athletic director's part this year to have that stadium construction at the same time <laughs> um but that's how we'll do we we do require masks into our stadium we're um encouraging and asking everyone to social distance um in the stands we've had a an event here last week and we actually have one tonight a scrimmage with Edmond Santa Fe so we're eager to see um you know how eager fans are to follow those 
those guidelines so that we can play some fall sports. Lots more questions for you, and I know Rick does as well. But, Darren, I wanted to roll you into the conversation early here because the, the pride of Broken Arrow, the 20, uh, the 2006, 2011, 2015 Bands of America Grand National Championships, uh, champions, you've been state champions forever. I know that competition means something to Broken Arrow, but competition is out for this fall, right? Well, competition is out for marching bands in Oklahoma for the fall, at least for uh, the Invitational and our OBA and Bands of America events. But uh, competitions, it's its a motivator, but it's not the reason that we do what we do uh, with marching band or with, with the band programs. So we've taken approach uh, this year that we're going to you know, create uh, different opportunities for, for kids to make great memories, to keep them engaged, uh, and to keep them supporting our school. It's just going to look different this year. Look different, sound different, and we'll delve into all of that as well. We, we would love to have your open mics, questions, or comments. Hit the open mic button on the KRMG app. Dan Potter along with Rick Corey. And, Rick, we are the voice of union football here on KRMG. Um, tell me what you understand about what Emily just said about the, the, the schedule this fall and how it's going to work from a broadcast perspective and from a fan's perspective. Well, first of all, from a broadcast perspective, it's great because all those stadiums have elevators. So, <clears throat> you know, you're, uh, you're very excited about that, and I joke about that because Union is getting one, of course. As Emily said, half that stadium is, is gone. If you drive by there right now, they're rebuilding. You can see the elevator shaft they built. That was never really my complaint. My complaint was I wanted a toilet up there, and we're going to have one, so I'm excited about that. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, it's not hard, really. I mean, it's harder on the team. And when you've got to play Owasso, Jinx, Broken Arrow, away, all at the same time and in a row, that's not an easy schedule to keep up. Now, when we're at home, it'll be different for us because we'll be broadcasting from the end zone, which is unique. I've done it before, though. Back when I did Talents games, I had to do an entire season from the end zone. So I've done it before. It won't be as hard there. I think the, the more difficult thing for broadcasters around the country, and we're dealing with it at the University of Tulsa level, too, is how do you distance your broadcast crew? You're talking about a sideline guy. You're talking about a, a color guy. You're talking about a play-by-play guy. You're talking about a spotter. How do you keep all those people? You can't put them six feet apart. Yeah. It's almost impossible to do that. I've got to have a spotter over my shoulder. You know, so it's it's a different kind of a world for us. And and I would think too, Emily, for you guys, in that you said you you're eager to see how fans react. I think we all are. But how do you police it if they don't act like you want? You know, we we did have that event last weekend, and we did the best we could. We put a lot of signage. We had people standing at the front with extra masks in hand. Um, We require a mask for a ticketed event. So if you're going to purchase a ticket, you have to have a mask on to do so. So once they um, come into the stands, you know, we're asking adults to, you know, hopefully um, continue that if they can't social distance. If somebody's going to go sit up in the corner and they're off by themselves, I doubt we're going to send somebody up to say something. But um, in order for us to have sports with fans here, and and I think that's the point we want to hammer home is, you know, the other option is to not have fans in the stands, which makes it uh, quite a bit easier on game administrators in that. But Mm -hmm. that's not fair to the kids. That's not fair um, to the families. And it's certainly not fair to the students um, that want to come support their their fellow student athletes. So if we can all do a little bit um, to make it a little bit of a safer environment and help mitigate that risk, uh, we're just asking that adults and, um, you know, people that come to our games help us out in that area. Reading between the lines there, I think I, I, I hear you saying if people do not follow the rules, then that is a possibility that you maybe end up end up playing games without a crowd. 
You know, I think that's certainly, um, you know, something in administrators' mind when you're thinking about that. That would have to be absolutely a last case scenario for us um, in order to continue with sports. We we want to, you know, first and foremost, keep the student athletes and coaches and officials um, say as safe as possible. And in and that would be our number one priority. Um, obviously, we want our our patrons, our fans, uh, people who come to our games to do that as well. Um, but when you put, you know, in our stadium, it's going to be a little different. 2,000 people might be able to police that a little bit better. But when you're talking about some of these larger stadiums, in order to do so, um, they're going to have to ask for people to just, you know, help hopefully follow the stadium rules uh, where they go. And we've been really good as administrators and locally passing those. Here's what we're doing at our school. What are you doing at yours before each event so that we can let our parents and hopefully get it out before the event so there's no surprises at the gate. Games and performances are one thing. Uh, rehearsals and practices are another. I want to talk to both of you about that. Darren Davis, uh, you are doing a field show, but I assume that uh, your performers are spaced six feet apart. It, tell us how your field show is going to be different this year. Well, with taking a non-competitive format uh, this year, we wanted to make sure that we're still um, uh, exposing our kids to the skills that they need so that when we do return back to competitions, hopefully sooner rather than later, um, we haven't lost a step, uh, so to speak, in, in those in those areas. So when it comes to, to being socially distant on the field, we do as much as we can. It's not entirely possible at all times in, in the show to do that, um, but we certainly do our best to keep the kids uh, spread out. Um, we certainly have a protocol that we share with our athletic department um, when it comes to practices and rehearsals, um, how we screen kids, um, temperature check before every uh, session that we do, uh, and, and to educate our, our families and our, and our students on, you know, what are the protocols, uh, when should you not even uh, bother showing up to rehearsal, just give us communication that you can't pass the, the uh, eight questions that we do on a COVID screen before each, each session, and, and that helps us um, – you know, do what we can to be safe and uh, masks are required for our students, uh, particularly anytime they're inside a, a building or they're not actively engaged in uh, our rehearsal protocol. And it's the inside stuff that we might pose more of a challenge for you as the year goes on. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. Emily Barkley, what are the protocols at Union before the football team, for instance, uh, takes the field for a practice? This summer, we've been operating uh, with temperature checks, the screening questions, um, like he was describing. Um, we had a pre-screen survey because a lot of these student-athletes um, weren't required to have a physical up until that point. And so we were trying to find out if something you know, had occurred between last year's physical and this year's physical that might cause some concern. Again, it's the um, being open and honest when you aren't feeling well, when a family member um, has tested positive for COVID because that obviously affects those living in the household with them. Um, and so we've followed that with all of our athletic programs over the summer and have been um, very successful in identifying, you know, potential issues before they they come into our buildings, before they come to our facilities. Now, I know when we open school back, um, our athletic programs will mirror what our school district is doing. So at that point, there will be, you know, the required mask and, um, again, not coming to school if you're not feeling well and communicating with those um, that you report to. Just curious, before we go to the break, just quickly uh, from both of you, 
How much pressure have you gotten from parents to go one way or another from this season? Has it been unbearable, Emily? Um, you know, we have, <laughs> I think the district has um, bared the brunt of that with the in-person learning versus the um, distance learning. For us, um, I know that if there's a situation where the school district has to go distant learning, there's going to be a community pressure to shut down um, you know, our athletic programs. And so that's, that's the main concern that we've had, um, not directly. We've had, we've had some parents concerned about what safety protocols we have in place and then have allowed them to make that choice um, if they feel like that's enough, you know, to send their student athlete in our care. Um, and some have chosen not to. And we've, you know, this is just a unique year where you have to um, have empathy for, you know, families and what they're going through. And, and uh, just be a little bit more lenient on um, those requirements of uh, workouts and, and just be real cautious of um, how people are feeling at this time. Darren, I know those pride parents love going to BOA competitions. Did you get any pressure to, to well, I mean, the BOA season, that, that answered itself, but you still have the opportunity to do. There are some local contests. As you said, OSSAA may still be having some contests. Did you get pressure from parents? Well, we, we took more of a proactive approach. We could kind of see the writing on the wall with what was going to happen with the fall uh, marching seasons. Um, we were actually uh, set to be performing the uh, Tournament of Roses Parade uh, in January. That's right. And we suspended that that operation in, in June. And uh, by mid-July, we actually made an announcement because we wanted to control the narrative with our students and our parents of it and take control of our season um, even before um, – the local and national events uh, were canceled. But you know what? I think parents, uh, you know, regardless of the school, but particularly at Broke, um, I think they trust the process. They uh, believe in our in our family uh, and and with good communication. Um, you, while you can't always have 100 uh, percent support, I think you'd be surprised about how how strong our support is uh, with our community and our in our families. Um, that that they 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 trust the process and want to see what's best for the kids. 1023 KRMG Tulsa's news and talk where we tell you the three big things you need to know every 15 minutes all day. Now, back to the KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour. The KRMG Back to School Project, sponsored by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Joining us from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, please welcome the Broken Arrow High School Marching Band. Last time BA competed at the Grand National Level, 2018. Very patriotic. Show. program is entitled "The United States of America." Yeah, you can find that on YouTube right now and watch it. It is really, really, really good. Bands of America is proud to present. 8:22. It's this uh, KRMG Morning News, 8 a.m. in depth hour. Our back to school project. We're talking extracurriculars. We have Darren Davis, the band director of Broken Arrow, with us, as well, along with Emily Barkley, the AD at the Union Schools. And uh, we want to talk, uh, Emily, a little bit about other fall sports because football isn't the only one. How are you handling the other activities this fall? Has anything been postponed to spring? Um, it has not at this point. Um, we follow, you know, the OSSA guidelines or guidance on that. And we have been, um, our softball and volleyball have actually, we're in week two of matches um, with those. And um, so we have similar guidelines, uh, mask required, social distancing. Um, 
we would say 50% capacity. Normally in some of those venues, uh, that's not an issue for for some of those sports because the gyms that the volleyball teams play in are, are big enough to accommodate that. Um, and so we've been, we've been going with that, you know, there, there's an extra little bit of nervousness right before those all our first home match, making sure, you know, we had communicated well enough. We had um, posted signs. We had done our part to try to keep those student athletes, coaches and officials as safe as possible. Um, but we, we are going and we're, you know, heading into next week, week two of, um, the regular season. And, um, you know, there's going to be interruptions throughout the year. There's, there's teams that, you know, will have student athletes that have to sit out for various reasons, especially when school starts and some of that tracing, um, they might have been in a classroom with them. So we'll see some, probably a few stoppages from here or there, maybe, uh, rescheduled events, but at this point, we um, we plan to compete um, along with the OSSA schedule. For it, we have cross country, we have volleyball and softball also going on. Yeah, Rick is monitoring some pertinent new information that's breaking from the NFL this morning. Just found out that mascots and cheerleaders will not be allowed on the sidelines at NFL games. So that brings up the question, uh, Emily: How are you guys handling it? You know, we we talk. It's it's up to the exactly like you guys said. It's it's kind of up to the minute information at this point. Um, our NFHS, which is our governing body of high school sports, um, has recommended to ex- extend the uh, sideline box for the football teams from the ten yard line to the ten yard line. Um, and so at that point, we had to readjust where we put our, you know, cheer and palm groups um, over to the little bit further down. Our our plan right now um, is to still allow those groups uh, to be on our sidelines, to be a part of it. You know, that experience for them is ever bit as important as it is for the participants in, in the game. And so we want to be able to create those opportunities for them. Um, I know one change and um, has been that uh, our, our band will not be traveling to away events. It's, you know, it's the stadium capacities are um, already adjusted and to socially distance and spread out um, those type of groups, you know, especially ones yeah. that have been in a high risk area when you're, you know, either singing or blowing instruments, you know, that's been found to be. So um, that that's going to be something different when we go on the road um, Emily, and let, play in some of those events. Let me flip over to Darren Davis on that, because Darren, we've talked about, you know, how you've uh, changed away from competition and, and are doing other things, uh, doing a, a more, I don't know, uh, pep i guess oriented uh, product this fall how wh- what's your band's contribution to the football games going to be this fall well we will like uh emily mentioned uh with their band uh we will not be traveling uh to to any away games and i think that's that's something that's been agreed upon i think with athletic directors and superintendents at least at the at the 6a level um uh our our school district's also limiting uh participants on the field to only the varsity level cheer groups and spirit groups. We're doing the same thing with the band. If you've been to Brokener before, you know that we have a, a, a really a huge band. Uh, and that combines our basically our, our uh, junior varsity band, which we call the tradition, uh, with our pride of Brokener, which is the varsity band. Um, we're, we're limiting things to the varsity band, which is the, the pride competitive, you know, in a typical year, the competitive band. Um, we will, uh, to, to best support our, our school district, and our community and to engage our kids, we're going to perform before the game 
And we will also perform uh, a rotating show uh, at halftime that will evolve throughout the season and uh, uh, and really will look take on the form of doing multiple halftime shows, kind of like a college uh, marching band does is, is one are, of the things that we will be doing this year. Are you going to be blowing pep stand or pep tunes in the stands during the game? We will. We have a, a format set up with the bandstand that we have, which is really quite large. And it, we're fortunate that it is spread out basically from front sideline to back sideline mm. in our north end zone with us leaving every other row empty and spreading our students uh, out and then doing uh, the, the, the next row in the window being in the gap. Um, that gives us uh, a, a, a better social distance spacing and allows us to get those kids uh, into the bandstand um, during the game to oh. support the team. KRMG goes in depth. More from KRMG Managing Editor Rick Corey. So we went directly to the top. That's David Jackson, Executive Director of the Oklahoma Secondary Schools Athletic Association, and ask him, how did you come to that decision? Lots of research, what our numbers are, the information that we got from public health professionals, and what's going on at the collegiate level. Does any one of those entities drive our decision? Not any one. It's kind of the collection of the information that we use to come to that decision. Our staff has discussed that thoroughly. We've looked at different options. We have surveyed our schools to get their thoughts. And after collecting all of that information, it's best our schools, even with their different instructional formats, we thought it best to go forward as best we can at this point and participate in our activities as long as we can. And we've sent the message to the schools this could change any time. Next week might be different based on information that, that we get. But we felt at this time that it's best that we give our kids a chance to participate. Many have complained the OSSAA did not come up with one set of guidelines, then tell everyone to follow it. We have a set of guidelines. We recommend the schools will use along with what they have available to them at the local level. Now, those do not put a school in a position that you're required to follow our guidelines. And the reason for that is the virus has impacted so differently across our state. There are some counties, some school districts that are severely impacted. And then we've got the other end of the spectrum where some aren't impacted as much. So we want to be able to give those schools the ability to monitor, to manage and facilitate their activities as best they can, depending on where they fall in that in that category of, of COVID impact. So with that, they will trust districts and individual schools to make decisions. Our schools have their protocols in place to stay safe. They are also using their local guidelines from their county health departments and, and other places. So our schools want to do all they can to stay safe. They are putting plans together to manage situations when they have students or teachers or coaches that's been identified as positive cases. But they are reserving the right to pull the trigger if COVID outbreaks begin happening around the state. If we get information that the impact is a statewide issue, then we absolutely reserve that right to step in and maybe do something different mid-season. And as a matter of fact, we're almost prepared for that to maybe uh, have an alternate plan, be it suspend the season, shorten the season, restructure a playoff if the impact of COVID is more widespread as we get into the season.
And remember, when we talk about extracurricular activities, it affects more than just sports. There's band, cheer, theater, spirit, and many more, with each district having to make decisions on how those activities are handled. Rick Corey, 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk. Issues that matter to you, expanded on the KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour. Dan Potter along with Rick Corey and Darren Davis, director of bands at the Pride of Broken Arrow, and Emily Barkley, who's the AD for the Union Schools, uh, Darren Davis, once we get past marching band season, then we have concert band, we have jazz band, we have all these indoor ensembles, percussion ensembles, things like that. And if, if you wonder why I sound like I'm kind of fretting over this, uh, there have been studies that have been published by universities here in the last couple of weeks that show the amount of uh, water droplets expelled by a, a wind instrument player or by somebody singing in a choir those are uh, those. It's a lot. The volume's a lot greater than it is just in normal conversation. So, how do you rehearse a big wind symphony or a jazz band indoors this winter? Well, there's no playbook, right, for COVID. This is uh, an unprecedented time, and and seeing and studying the research and sharing that with uh, with our administration um, has allowed us, and I think every band director across. Uh, America, and particularly in our region, um, it's what band directors do, right? We're pro- we're problem solvers, and <laughs> and throw us a curveball. We're going to find a way uh, to uh, to make it a win-win. Um, here's what we know: um, we know that uh, water droplets from wind instruments uh, are more significant than 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 talking. Uh, singing is even uh, more predominant than than a wind instrument. So some of the things that we've learned is uh, we can mitigate that through distancing and spacing inside, which we have not played inside as a full group uh, yet, only in small small quantities. And as we get into the school year, um, you know, we're going to have to have things spaced out. Um, they, they make uh, now uh, bell covers and uh, flute air uh, deflector shields that we are uh, going to use for our brass instruments and for our, our flute players. Um, and then you have to get creative, right? Um, you know, we can, we can use not the entire uh, group as we're typically split into about 60 uh, people uh, per class, mm. um, which we're fortunate at Broken Air to have some uh, great facilities, lots of square footage. Um, but I, I, at the high school, we're going to use uh, some creative opportunities where not everyone's playing every day, where we can do kind of a multi-track uh, curriculum um, to, to be smart. And when it's a nice day, don't be surprised if we're going to be outside before being inside. Oh, interesting. Um, but that that's that's important. May, may I suggest, um, then, Darren, may I suggest an all brass guitar, bass, and timpani band? I think that'd be awesome, and I think you could be a guest artist with us, too. <laughs> yeah. My guitar teacher told me to stop giving him money. I was so bad. <laughs> well, you know, another thing with playing inside, we've met with our operations team from the school district, and what we've learned is about air filtration is, is incredibly important. Um, and our district's been proactive, and I'm sure many other school districts in, in, the, in the region and area are doing the same thing about uh, what is the air return rate uh, of, of those performance spaces and, and rehearsal rooms. What are the things that we can add to filtration besides, uh, besides the, the filters to get them uh, not even HEPA rated, but to use uh, technology with ion filtration? Um, or some things that are being added to uh, many of our classrooms. Yeah, and, and I, I'm so uh, excited that our district sees that as a as a as a need 
And uh, they're acting on that uh, for our performance and rehearsal spaces um, in grades uh, six through 12 where, where wind instruments are going to be performed. I do know that our choir is uh, using, uh, we'll be using those, they make a choir mask, which is mm. stronger on filtration and limits uh, uh, any spread of, of aerosol. So there's lots of things that are out there that are, that, you know, music teachers have to consider. Yeah, and in, in you fact, know what, this is a learning process. It's going to take us some time. I want to bring um, one of those, we're going to make mistakes. I want to bring one of those things up, a mutual acquaintance of, of ours, uh, Robert W. Smith, the composer, uh, posted a picture on Facebook yesterday of a university jazz band rehearsing, and it looked like they were all in shower curtain cubicles. Have you invested in any kind of wild staging, separation, plexiglass, uh, rubber sheeting? I don't know. Anything like that? Well, that that's a great point that you bring up. I've seen some of that, too. And after meeting with our operations team and uh, Dr. Kelly Pence has like devoted her summer to to research and reading all the studies that come out. And, you know, at some level, once you start segmenting the room and adding shower curtains and plexiglass, what you're doing is you're limiting the amount of airflow and actually creating uh, multi-zones inside a room and you can't refresh that air rate. Uh So at some level, adding you know, more barriers creates even more of a problem than, than what you think you're, you're solving in the first place. Fascinating. Uh, Emily Barkley, AD at Union, as you listen to a fine arts guy talk about the things they're doing in, in staging and teaching and <laughs> bell covers and flute wind deflectors, are there corollaries in, you know, the instruction that's going to take place after the football season for athletes in Union? Absolutely. We, you know, when school starts, we'll start practicing with all of our um, 23 programs, and they all look a little different. Like he said, if you can go outside and do your activity, let's go outside and do that activity to give us the best possible chance. But we're also asking the sports, you know, like basketball, that is a pretty high-contact sport to um, in the preseason to do skill, to, to work on individual skills, to, to do those things that where you're not high-contact. Let's try to um, do the best we can to get to the season and, you know, mitigate those those situations where um, that contact, you know, once you start contact tracing people um, in, in a basketball environment, you know, if you're playing one-on-one, there was probably some contact there. So um, we're, we're asking them to, you know, think about uh, the end goal, which would be to play a, play an entire season and not get cut off at the playoffs like last year. That I mean, that's an absolutely... Uh, devastating situation to have to look student athletes in the eye who have made the state tournament, you know, and just tell them they don't get that opportunity to compete. So what can we do now um, to try to prolong that and to make our kids as safe as possible so that we can get to that end goal? I know this is going to be difficult, Emily, but, you know, and every school has to be ready for it. We're already seeing it. it. People are going to get COVID. And then you start like University of Tulsa has 16 players quarantined. Well, those guys are roommates, probably all one position group. They may not have any receivers or that kind of thing. When it starts happening, how do you deal with it? And at what point do you have to say, I'm not sure we can practice? Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it has been, you know, a very scary situation. Luckily for us this summer, most of the situations that we researched and tracked were, um, you know, getting in the same car with somebody. They were hanging out over the weekend with somebody. So we know that the challenge of uh, opening classrooms in person and having, you know, our student athletes that have been somewhat um, not in a bubble, but, you know, what we'd like to call a bubble because they've only been around each other and in 
somewhat safe environments that we've been able to provide for them by spacing and and what we're doing. Um, it's going to create, you know, I, when we start on Monday, there's going to be student athletes that um, by default, by being in close contact, are going to have to start sitting out um, of these events. And so we've we've asked our, our coaches to um, try to create environments in their program. You know, if they normally do film in a small area, let's find an area where we can uh, wear a mask, be socially distanced and, and spread out. If you're going to have uh, coaching meetings, it's probably not a good idea for all of you to be in a small environment because if one uh, one person has a positive test, then we're sending the whole staff home. So they've had to relook at how um, they do that so that when we contact trace back that we're able to say, um, you know, there was as minimal uh, exposure as possible for those around them. And that's really, you know, it's it's been a challenge and it will continue to be a challenge. Emily Barkley is the AD at the Union Schools. And we're also joined by Darren Davis, the director of bands at Broken Arrow. 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's news and talk, where we tell you the three big things you need to know every 15 minutes, all day. Now, back to the KRMG Morning News, 8 a.m. in-depth hour. The KRMG Back to School Project, sponsored by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Back. He's going to run it to the right. Rovon Banks cuts up inside. Got room. Touchdown, Rovon Banks. He had Green next to him, and Jinx had to pay attention to number 20. And when he went wide, Banks cut back to the inside. And they said there's a little Kyler Murray in that kid. And, Tom, that's exactly <laughs> what you saw right there. That'll, now 34-20. i get you in the mood for some high school football this fall. Rick Corey, Dan Potter, it's the KRMG Morning News. Back to school project, uh, 8 a.m. in-depth hour. Joined by Emily Barkley, the AD at Union, and by Darren Davis, the band director at Broken Arrow, uh, I'd like to get both of your perspectives on a group called the NFHS. Uh, that is the National Federation of State High School Associations. Uh, I, was, I was looking at the OSSAA website yesterday and looking at the new rules that they proposed for cheerleading competitions uh, this fall. I noticed that uh, the NFHS was quoted heavily. They've issued a lot of guidance for all sorts of extracurricular activities. Emily, uh, what is the NFHS? How much influence does it have over extracurricular activities in this country? It, uh, you know, it's our governing body that makes up the rules, the rule changes that we see come down through the state association level. So obviously the impact that they have is is great. They, you know, for what we're, what our country's facing right now, they have to make some general guidelines that they um, – you know, that can go throughout the United States, they understand that each state is a little bit different in what we're facing. And so those guidelines are there to help us, you know, as a resource to get through this time. And Darren, that applies to music programs as well, right? It sure does. They've been very uh, supportive and very helpful in getting us uh, guiding information. Um, I'm fortunate to serve on the Bands of America Advisory Board and each of our meetings that we've had through the summer on Zoom. Um, there's been um, someone from the uh, National Federation of High Schools there as an advisory role. And uh, they, in fact, the, they got together with Varsity and with some of the folks in pageantry to put together an entire field show. And the music's original, the drill design's original, there's choreography for dancers and cheer and color guard. And all of that has been made available to any high school music program that wants to take it, right? Yeah, there's 22,000 uh, music programs in America, and a lot of, of those programs are looking for resources and help. Yeah. And there are free things out there that, that can help you. 
Um, you know, I know we're running short on time, but I just want to be able to share that, you know, we see this, this challenge that everyone's facing right now as, as a, as a gift. There's, we have an opportunity this year to do things that we've never done before because we've been in the throes of competition. Um, we, we made a wish list. What are the things we wish we could do in a season where we're not competing? Mm -hmm. And that's going to be our guiding principles to, to give our kids just incredible experiences that they wouldn't normally get, uh, in a typical year. And we're making the best of it, Broken Arrow. And I know that every band director in the area, they want to do what's best for their kids. And they're making those same decisions to take care of kids. Emily Barkley, we'll close with you because I'm wondering if the athletic department at Union sees opportunity in this challenge. You know, we do. Um, obviously, we've kind of been um, uh, focused more on the challenges and how we're going to um, get through, you know, each activity and each event, because I think there's an enormous amount of pressure to uh, want to provide a safe environment. And so as as a leader um, of our athletic departments, I think that, you know, we're trying to tackle those those challenges head on. But, you know, again, we're a school that that promotes maximum participation. And, and this year it's it looks a little different. You know, our mm -hmm. teams may be a little bit smaller um, and so I think that there's some opportunities there for um, our coaches to create those uh, relationships and, you know, a lot of skill development, a lot of skill development, you know, not the uh, throw them out there and play against each other. So I think we'll we'll find those opportunities as they come. And, and we're extremely optimistically hopeful um, that we can continue this year and that everyone stays safe. Emily Barkley, Athletic Director at Union Schools. Thank you. Thank you. Darren, Thanks for having me. Darren Davis, Broken Arrow Pride. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, thank you for having us today. It's been a great, great hour. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 